Hello, and welcome to the New Story Podcast with me, your host, Rebecca Conran. <laughs> tonight, tonight, today, what time is it? It's 10 in the morning. Today, I have on the show Paul Weinfield. <laughs> Paul's just looking at me like, oh, what's going on with this girl today? Um, Paul is a meditation teacher and a musician and just an all-around uh, earth angel. He's a good friend of mine. And today we're going to really just focus in on a lot of the questions I've been getting around uh, relationships. And um, Paul is someone who I love to talk to about relationships. He's also a Libra, which is kind of the sign of relationships. And he has a lot of amazing ideas about relationships. Um, welcome, Paul. Hi, it's so good to be here. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Um, Paul, tell us a little bit about like what your life was like before, you know, you found your spiritual kind of uh, footing. Mm. Um, well, I started getting into meditation when I was a teenager. And I, th- I think of it as there were like various phases. Um, I had like a lot of people sort of an unhappy childhood and, Um, so I think I just felt very, uh, uh, scared and lost and confused, um, um, because of my home life. Um, and, uh, when I found meditation, I was sort of like, oh, maybe there's something, there's more out there than, than I, than I thought. Um, but I, so I started when I was about 15, but I would say that there were like various different moments of change. Um, that's sort of one phase. And then I went off to India looking for a guru, um, which didn't pan out as, as is always the case. <laughs> what? You didn't find a guru? That's crazy. I found you. I found you, which is <laughs> good. Um, but that's, that's a later chapter of the story. Um, and then I, no, I ended up finding my, my teacher, who's not a guru, but someone who's helped me a lot when I was 25 and, and also getting into a relationship then at 26 um, that I am in to this day. And that was like a very transformative thing. Um, spiritually as well and then I had cancer for the second time when I was 35 I'm fine now Um, but um, that was I would say like a third phase I'm 41 years old right now so I kind of think that's a a crude but good way of dividing up my spiritual life yeah yeah I mean it's it's kind of wild I mean that's what I'm experiencing right now too of like you know you can be like doing all the right holistic things and on the spiritual path and still (laughs) uh, dealing with like major physical ailments and issues. It really is just like a a deepening and of the spiritual experience, I think too, you know, to like have these multifaceted different things that we go through. Um, You know, something that I, I would love to, before we get into relationship stuff too, um, like a lot of people are very, very fucking confused by meditation, you know, and just like uh-huh. what it is. And, um, and just for anybody listening, if you're in New York, uh, Paul, uh, guides people through meditation. He, at, at the, um, downtown, mm-hmm. what's it called? The downtown, downtown meditation, downtown meditation. Downtown meditation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if anybody is looking to like expand, their understanding of meditation and their use of it. Um, he's a great teacher for that, but how do you, 
like, what would you say, how do you classify meditation? Like, how do you explain it to people? What is it and what is it not? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I explain it to people using a, a metaphor that a Thai teacher named Ajahn Shah gave, which is that meditation is building a home for the mind. Um, and I think it, to understand that, you have to kind of understand the ways that we're often homeless in our minds. Like we, all day long, we're just kind of like attacked by resentments and jealousies and anger and whatever. And, and very often we're just like homeless people who like have to like, you know, when it rains, they get rained on. And when shit's bad, it's bad. And um, we don't really have anywhere we can go. And so meditation is building a home for the mind by basically retraining the mind to, um, to seek protection and to seek what's really good for it rather than just run off into all these dangers that are there. And what it's not is it's not an experience. And I think that's really important to tell people in this age of like, um, what my friend calls Zentertainment of like, basically like taking meditation, entertainment, <laughs> like, like just, just taking like meditation ideas and trying to turn them into experiences. So like you go to a party and it's like, there's a ritual and there's a, there's an experience that happens and that's all fine. I mean, experiences are wonderful or they can be wonderful, but, um, but meditation is a practice. So it's something that you do every day. Um, and it's like building a home. Like it's not just like showing up at someone else's house. It's like you build a yeah. home for yourself and you learn skills above all. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's been really coming up lately. I feel like this whole theme of like, who's in charge to me, you know, who's in charge, mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to like our healing, like it's not some major destination that and we talk about this a lot too, Paul, but like, it's not some major destination that we're about to reach. It's really just like about being in charge of yourself, being in charge of your mm-hmm. own thoughts, being in charge of your feelings, knowing that you actually have the power to be in charge, you know, to call the shots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like, we as humans, like we've been so conditioned to like, just let somebody else take the reins and be in charge Mm -hmm. that a lot of our anxiety Mm -hmm. and our depression is stemming from a sense of powerlessness because we don't feel like we have the ability to be in charge. Um, um, By the way, that's one of the things I was, I was joking about calling you my guru, but I, I not really, because I, that's like one of the things that you inspire me about, you know, so often, I mean, you just always remind me that like, you're like, it's your life Paul, you know? And it's like, and, and that's kind of a big thing. It's a big teaching um, because, because so often we're like, okay, yeah, but how do I do it right? Or how do I do it perfectly? And it's like, it's your life. What will you do with your one yeah. short life? You know? Yeah. And you can't do it. Not perfect. Right. You no, know, you just can't, you can't fail at it. Like you, you might have experiences that are like more uncomfortable than others. And I right. have many uncomfortable experiences as Paul right. knows. He's one of the right. first people I turn to when I'm having a hard time. Uh, but you know, I think it's also like, that's just like part of the deal of like being human, you know? Um, totally. Well, Paul, like I, we, I, I sent you some of the questions that I've been getting a lot of, and we're actually recording this on uh, the day after the full moon in Libra, uh, which is the second full moon in Libra in a month's time. So we're really, uh, we're really, and Venus today is going into Aries. So there's a passionate kind of like cleansing going on, especially around uh, codependency and. I I feel like the listeners, I want to say to the listeners, um, as a former drug addict, (laughs) a heroin addict and a meth addict, you know, 
the thing that I think the addiction that is most difficult is codependency. I mean, it has symptoms that are similar, if not worse, than coming off of like the worst fucking drugs. And I've experienced like the anxiety that you feel in, in codependent relationships. In, in, if you're a codependent in any relationship, sometimes the anxiety that you feel, the sheer terror that you can experience is something akin to like the worst drug with withdrawals to, in my experience. So I feel like people, you know, we throw the, we bandy these like terms around, but it's serious and we really need so much compassion. If you, if you have codependent tendencies and if you know, you, you can tell if you have codependent tendencies, you know, if you feel that um, you need someone else in order to feel complete and whole, you know, a, a connection with somebody else. And a lot of us who have had difficult childhoods, you know, we've experienced codependency in some form or another. And we're not just codependent in our romantic relationships. We're codependent with our mentors. We're codependent with our uh, friends. You know, it's something that really does, um, like, it's a, it's a thread that we experience. So that I just want to say to the listeners, mm-hmm. this, isn't, this is a big fucking deal for people in learning how to deal with relationships. Mm-hmm. It's very painful. It's, a, it's an absolute struggle. And it is an addiction, in a lot of ways, you know, being addicted mm-hmm. to other people and the stimulus that they provide us and how we feel like they complete us, you know, that whole, that whole Jerry Maguire, uh, terminology that we really took on as a society is just like a, a romantic gesture. You complete me mm-hmm. is actually this fucking sad that we've like incorporated that as an ideology you know that that's what what romance is it's like it couldn't be sadder it's like what we really want is to be a whole complete person and to meet one another in an interdependent place where we're Mm -hmm. like we don't rely on anybody Mm -hmm. for our health and our happiness uh we are meeting people knowing that we have the tools to take care of ourselves and they have the tools to take care of themselves. So, you know, recently with all of this energy going around, around like relationships and we're just transforming the way that we interact with the other. Um, and I got a lot of questions, uh, around relationships on Instagram. Um, and I'll just kind of like shout some of them out, Paul, and then like whatever you feel like you want to speak to. Uh, how to summon and choose better partners, how to cut cords with old patterns, people you once loved but no longer resonate with, why we and others hide, run away from love, but happily receive subpar shit relationships, how to transcend it. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, letting go of residual attachment, guilt after ending unhealthy relationships, how to move on from people you still love, but are unhealthy, don't resonate with you anymore. What, any of those Mm -hmm. pique your interest in what you're kind of like, they all do. I think philosophizing. they all do. I mean, I think, I think, you, you know, I got really sad when I was hearing those questions. You know, Aww. I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I really, 
loved what you said about, you know, the importance of compassion in this, because this is really heavy shit for people. And I've been there and you've been there and we've all been there. And, um, and it is a drug. And, um, I would take the analogy further. It's like, it's not only like heroin, it's like if heroin were not only legal, but also you were forced to take it in order to get yeah. into any kind of building or church or society or whatever. And because society so much, is always pushing it on you. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that's like, you know, and that's, it's the, the codependent thing is not, um, it's not just like, Oh, you happen to be codependent. It's, it's, it's in the fabric of our society. It's taught to people yeah. at some, from such a young age. And all those questions, you know, all, all have the flavor of like, I need to be completed. So either there's a sense of like, how can I be completed? Or there's a sense of like, I tried being completed by this person that didn't work out. So how do I get rid of them so that I can go on to be completed by somebody else? Yeah. And it's the wrong premise. Like we can't be completed by another person. I mean, that's really, really an important teaching. And it's so hard. It's so easy to say and so hard to take in under your skin, which is that no one else can complete you ever. Yeah. Ever. No yeah. one else can make you feel a certain way ever. No one else can take away your pain ever. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's hard shit to hear, but, uh, but it's also really important to hear it and to begin to actually take those words and, and begin to live a little differently. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest issue with codependency right now um, in our culture is I think that, um, well, it's been going on a long time, so it's not because of this, but in the age of Instagram, there's so much um, value put on having a story yes. and having, having the right kind of story. And it's always the same story that you see in every film, which is that, you know, you, you had subpar relationships, but then you met the knight in shining armor and that's your story. It's like, I was, it's just the Jesus story, right? It's like, I was lost, but now I'm found, right? And everybody wants to have that story. I was lost, but now I'm found come take my, you know, seminar, um, and I'll show you how. And it's, <laughs> <$9 99. laughs> it's, it's all this salvation myth about relationships. You know, I was lost, yeah. but now I'm found. And it's like, you, you will never be found because you meet someone. The kind of mind that you bring, yes. you have before a relationship will be the mind that you have in a relationship, be the kind of mind that you have alone. Um, it will not make you happy, you know? Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't yeah. You know, I think a common thread with a lot of those questions, too, has to do with um, people not knowing what they actually want, who they are and what they want. And what what you want also equates to your boundaries. You know, like Mm -hmm. for me, I just personally, um, I don't feel called to having kids. Right. That's a that's Mm -hmm. a that's a something that I don't want. Right. And it also becomes a boundary then, right. It becomes part of like where I meet other people. It becomes part of like what my needs are and my desires and my experience. And I think a lot of people are afraid to actually commit to what they want, who they are, what their needs are in relationships because they're afraid it might separate them from their options but I think what separates totally. us from our options is not being clear about what we want. When you're not clear about what you want, right. you get unclear results. You know, you meet Absolutely. in the other an unclear uh, mirror of yourself, right? So if I don't, if I'm not clear about what I want and what my needs are and my boundaries are, I am only going to see reflected 
in my relationships, uh, partners who are just as fucking lost as I am. So a lot of what people are experiencing, well, how do you, you know, how, you know, why am I still meeting the wrong kind of person? Well, you have to be the right kind of person for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, I I always say that like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I always say that like the only meaningful boundaries are the ones that come from self-love, yeah. you know, because, because in our culture, we've taken this idea of boundaries, which is super important, but we've, we've turned it into just this kind of aversion. It's like, uh, I don't like that guy. I need boundaries or, uh, I don't like that. I need boundaries, but the boundaries aren't about pushing other people out. They're about, as you said, yeah. they're about what you want. If all you know is the absence of what you want and all you know is like, I don't like that guy or I don't like that girl or men are all, you know, assholes and women are all bitches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to keep meeting that over and over yeah. again. You have to, at some point be like, this is what, how I want to treat myself. And I will only tolerate people who treat me according to that standard as well. Yeah. Know? Uh, and I think we're over intellectualizing a lot of our romantic mm-hmm. stuff too. You know, it's like a boundary for me might be that um, because I'm so energetically permeable, I need to spend so much time on my own and sleeping in my own bed mm-hmm. by myself. And that's just mm-hmm. like a boundary. It's not, a, it's not about anything else other than like, I sleep better and I, and I, it's more restful and I need more decompression time. But I think we spend all this time also intellectualizing what our needs and boundaries are instead of them being just these practical sort of moving parts of like, well, I have to eat three times a day because otherwise I get grumpy because my, I'm not feeding the machine instead of like treating them as these like practical parameters. Um, we attach a story to it and all of this, like, um, intellectualizing all this verbiage and then it's like we're talking ourselves into something that's also not true most of the time you know as to like reasoning of why we're doing something who we are as a person yeah yeah it's like it 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 has maybe you just like like to sleep in your own bed (laughs) it's nothing more complicated than that totally totally yeah what do you think that's i mean that's the you know go on no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's the, I mean, that's how relationships last anyway, is when people, you know, start to make those kinds of micro negotiations with that are really coming from self-love. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I grew up in that, I grew up going to the house of this poet who lived up in upstate New York. He was a friend of my father's, but he was a bit older and he was actually basically bi and he had had a lot of male lovers, but his high school sweetheart, who was a woman, um, after she had gotten married to someone else. And then after she, her husband passed away, they started dating each other again, like in their fifties or something like that. And by the time I knew them, they were in their like seventies going on 80 and they lived apart and she would just, she, she lived about 20 miles away and she would drive every day to his house. And they just had this incredible companionship and Mm. the boundaries were so beautiful because they were so loyal to each other, but they also, you know, they had their own lives and their own, they weren't trying to like rush into one thing. Um, yeah. And they lasted, you know, and I think that's how things Absolutely. last. Yeah. And, you know, something that I find is important is to not expect for one person to meet all of your needs. Right. You know, I think you have to, in order to have like successful relationships, you have to know that nobody is ever going to be able to meet all of your needs and right. that you don't need somebody who is the full complete package. Also that like idea of perfection, you know, like the person you're fucking is also your best friend is also your like 
brother, your father, your, your spiritual guru. It's like a lot of times I think, especially in the search for love, we're looking for so much that we're overlooking the fact that we're actually getting all of that stuff from all over the place, from all of our different relationships. Something that I find in my own personal experience is Mm -hmm. that like, I have so many lovely humans in my, that I'm close to who give me a little bit of all the things that I need. So I actually have the full package but it is it it looks different than what we've been the story we've been sold like the person meets all of that so I think in terms of like success in relationships as well um don't look for like one person who is going to be everything see how you actually have everything in all of the different relationships that you have in your experience you know and I would also totally. say on top of that, that like um, something mm. happens when we fuck people where we, mm. uh, especially for women, because male sex hormones last about 30 days in a woman's body. And they, it's only about seven days for men that women's sex hormones last. So there is a little bit of a chemical difference in terms of like heterosexual relationships and how we can feel more of an energetic pull from somebody as a woman sometimes than a man is feeling because there's a chemical response Mm -hmm. happening that is not necessarily happening in the same way for males. And I think like we really have to stop seeing sex as romance. It really is like, I always say like Mm -hmm. I could have sexual chemistry with a trash can because like sexual chemistry is something that you can have with just about anybody that you choose it's it has it really doesn't have anything to do with like how viable that partner is or what the depth of a soulmate relationship or anything well, right. sure. I think sure. we have to really like sure. rip the mask off in terms of like what sex is and what it isn't you know i think right. we put totally. a lot of totally. stock in sex and like how we feel during sex and like you know, if we feel really amazing and we're having really good sex, we tend to think that the relationship is more important than it is. Um, when it's a form of like energy healing, you know, it's like getting a good massage. It's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a healing and that's wonderful, but it actually doesn't equate to the rest of what a relationship is. And I think, uh, that there's way too much um, emphasis put on like um, sex as relationship and the gratification from that, that actually has nothing to do with a true relationship. Yeah. A while back I was right. I was writing something about relationships. It was like a really long piece I was writing. It's like, I was like the problem with relationships, blah, blah, blah. And someone commented, I put up on Facebook and someone commented on it and it was just one line. It says it was, the problem is we confuse love and sex. And I was like, yeah, that's basically what I was trying to say in like 40 <laughs> lines. I mean, and yeah. it's really true. It's like people, people really confuse love and sex. Men and women do. It's really, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of amazing. They do it in different ways, I think, because of cultural programming. But, um, but you see people and it's like, love, love hurts. Love is this, you know, and, it's, and you start to scratch the surface. And it's just like, well, you had sex with this person and something got triggered and now you're in this loop and it's not love. Yeah. I never say that to somebody. I'm saying that to you because we're on a podcast and maybe yeah. someone will hear it. 
you know, in an oblique way. I would never say that directly to someone, but so That's often people love, are like, you dumb bitch, wake up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> slap, I, slap, I have this slap. metaphor that I use, which I find it, which I find is really interesting, which is that like, I think love, like love is like rain, you know, it, it, it falls on all people and you just hold out, like, I like what you were saying about getting in different places. Cause you like, you hold out a, a can here or a bucket here or whatever, and you catch it. Yeah. And what happens is people start standing over empty wells, you know, and being like, well, why is this well not full of water? And it's like, cause it's not full of water, but there's plenty of water, you know, yeah. just hold out your glass. You know, I mean, I know that sounds too good to be true, but if you start to make it a practice of like looking and seeing like, who's there for me in my life? Oh, my father or my sister or my friend or whatever. You start to realize you really are surrounded by love. And it's only this, you know, this cultural conditioning. It's not just cultural conditioning, but it's just conditioning that makes us think that we have to, you know, make this one well full, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I would even go a step further and say that my, from my own experience of love, um, the love that I thought I was experiencing in relationship was just me was my love. It was the love that I was perpetuating, putting out that felt really fucking good. You know, like a lot of times in relationships, like what seems like this ideal relationship is really that we love who we are being when we are loving you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. if, exactly. if I'm like totally. being loving, I really like myself. I love myself in like loving situations because it feels good to be a loving individual that actually has nothing to do with totally. someone else. It's just that we like the way that we're being and we like the way that we feel. And that is just really a reflection of who we are. So many of my relationships in the past, I think were actually me uh, the the beauty that I thought I was seeing in someone else, not that they're not beautiful in any way. I don't mean that, but the, but I know that the beauty I was seeing in someone else was actually them reflecting my own beauty back at me. I was seeing right. myself. I was seeing my own love right. being in, in physical form. And that to me, that I think is also addictive too. It's like, well, we want more right. of that. But I think we don't understand that we can have more of that all the time. That's like, that's like, that's the ideal really is to like be these loving beings and to perpetuate and experience this love all the time. And it, and, um, it really doesn't have anything to do with the other ultimately other than that, that it's a reflection, yeah. but they're not doing anything. They're not making right. us more loving. Right. Um, we're really just like, you know, it's the perfect, it's the perfect kind of like, uh, situation for us to right. manifest exactly. that love ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people, always, whenever I talk with people about relationships, a lot of times people are like, oh, wait, so you're saying, so I just have to be alone and we're just going to be all these like spiritual beings who are single. And it's like, no, no, relationships can be, can be wonderful. I mean, I've been with my partner for 15 years and, but the thing I always tell, I, the thing I always tell people is, you know, you have to pay a little bit less attention or worry a little bit less about how the other person feels about you or even how you feel about yes. the other person. You have to worry about like, how do you feel about yourself when you're in the presence of the other person? You know, cause that's kind of the, the tip off. Like people are always like, Oh, I love this person so much. I'm like, well, how do you feel about yourself when you're with him? Oh, I feel like a nervous wreck. I, I feel like I'm not good enough for this relationship. It's like, well, that's not great. 
you know, that's yeah. not a good sign. And sure enough, yeah. those, those relationships never last. And, yes. um, you know, we have to start to kind of be honest with ourselves about, about that question. It's like, well, absolutely. And I think that's the thing also when I was reading all those questions too, is that like, I know that we know what the red flags are from the beginning, you know, we're not actually being surprised. And uh, Paul and I were just talking about this before we started the podcast. People tell you who they are. They tell you who they are and you have to listen and accept right. that if somebody is unavailable, they are unfucking available and they will tell you that they're unavailable right. from the get go. You will know that. And no matter what, no matter how they kind of dance back and forth, we have to take people at their word. You right. know what I'm saying? Like we right. need to really look at those red flags. They're not pretty decorations. It's like, and it doesn't mean that you can't be in a relationship with someone. It means alter your fucking expectations around what somebody can or cannot do within the, within the container of a relationship based on what they're showing you. They're showing you who they are. They're actually saying who they are. And, um, like I, I, uh, I actually ran into my ex last night and, um, you know, the whole, the whole time we were dating, uh, he would, he would, uh, Say, he actually said a lot of stuff that was very like, um, he was always like, uh, future, uh, it was always like an expression, a story of the future and what was going to be between us and blah, blah, blah. But his actions never fucking matched his words ever. And mm-hmm. I knew that from the beginning, you know? So like, right. it's not like, I think he meant the things he was saying, but I knew Mm -hmm. because I was experiencing this with him and I could feel intuitively that he couldn't live up to his own story. And so like, I think for a lot of us too, like people aren't letting us down. We're just not fucking listening and adjusting our expectations based on who people are. It's not their fault if they can't like meet us where we're at. It's not uh, our fault either. It's, it's no one's fault. It's just that like we have to learn to accept reality and let go of the fantasy. And that, and that takes some self-knowledge because, I mean, you know, the mind yeah. is devious and the mind will just try to t- twist the story so that it works out. I mean, I, I, I'll give an example. I, I, I got broken up with the other day. By the way, if people are listening, I'm in an open relationship. I'm not cheating on anybody. But um, <laughs> But I was I was seeing somebody who I really liked a lot, and it was you know we've been seeing each other for almost a year, and it was just the other day, and and she broke up with me, and we went we what happened was we went out uh, for um, we went out for a meal, and I was like could tell something was up, and I like asked her, I was like so how you know so how are you feeling about our relationship? Like it seems like it's a little bit strain strain between us, and she sort of like hemmed and hawed and didn't like come out and say it but it was so clear at that moment that what she was saying is i'm not happy in this relationship anymore and yeah. i could see it and and i was really grateful that i had a little bit of, of mindfulness around it i could see my mind just be like well that's not what she means she means that like there's a problem but we can work this out yeah and like sure enough you know and i saw that and i just kind of listened to her and sure enough like she sent me a breakup text that night you know and it yeah. was kind of like a, it was a great like illustration of how my mind how desperately my mind wanted to ignore what it actually already knew yeah hey shush Faye. pupper 
Pepper has a lot to say about us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we do do that, you know, because like we're so um, hurt by the, uh, when, by the perceived like lack of attention or rejection that we're feeling or abandonment, you know, and, you know, I think the further you get down the path of spiritual knowledge, you really you really do experience and knowing that there is no separation. There is no fucking separation. Mm -hmm. And just as much as I know when someone's going to call me, right. And I can feel their energy and they're in my, I I just, they're there, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same thing in our relationships. Like we are in lifelong relationships with people, you know, like, their energy is always like a part of our experience. And I think we have to let go of this. It's almost like death mirrored in our relationships, our fear of death, you know, like ultimately we're so scared of death and it's mirrored in the ending of relationships. So we're like, every time a relationship ends, instead of understanding that like relationships are actually how we get to know ourselves better. uh, It makes a lot of sense to have multiple relationships in our life because how would you possibly know how you want to do a relationship if you're, if you've only ever had one, right? Right. It's like, I think um, we're also coming to terms with the uh, impermeate, the, what am I trying to say, Paul? Like the, that life doesn't last also. Right. Impermanence. Yeah. Yeah. The impermanence of, of our lives and in the impermanence of our relationships too. And I think we have to see that you know, that like that belief system also at play where we feel rejected because ultimately like in some ways, I think we feel rejected by life that, that let down that at some point we're just going to grow old and die. And that, and that's like mirrored in our, in, in basically every Avenue of our experience. I mean, the function of relationships is not to last, you know, and, and we, um, we're in so much denial around that. And, you know, I mean, you, you can, maybe it'll last till you die, but it's going to end there. Uh, you know, th- there's no, there's no such thing as like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like getting a car and then being like upset that after like a certain amount of time, the car doesn't drive as well anymore, but that's, yeah. that's what, that's what it does. Right. And it's, yeah, you know, and I'm not saying you can't, um, heal things in relationships and but i think if a relationship does last it's usually more than one relationship within that relationship it's like things go through these different death and rebirth kind of cycles because nothing can stay the same you know you're not going to feel about your partner the way you felt the day you met that you know that person and yeah we say that all the time i mean it's just one more one more of those sort of hollywood lies it's like i i feel the same about her as the day i met you know met her and it's like well maybe in one very very narrow way but hopefully that isn't true yeah (laughs) yeah and and i would say nothing lasts and everything is forever so it's like you know i think that i'm still in relationship with someone i broke up with 16 years ago You know, like that person is still a part of my life. Every time that I am thinking about them or experiencing my friendship with them, our relationship is still happening, whether or not it's a physical relationship or we're fucking or we're actually in contact. That relationship still exists. And I think like, um, you know, that also is 
so much of our attachment to relationships is about abandonment, you know, and like wanting totally. Ooh. And this is like, and this is the, and this is the thing that is the thing I really want to say. It's coming through very, very clearly, (laughs) which is because of that, because you continue to work on your relationship with people, even after they're no longer physically present, whether they're dead or not around anymore. That's why you should never, ever, ever try to heal a relationship that didn't work or try to get over a relationship that didn't work through spite. And I see this all the time. There's so much um, emphasis in our culture put on, oh, yeah, that person broke up with you. Well, fuck them. And then you were going to go and we're just going to think all these bad thoughts about that other person. That's a terrible way to go about moving on because what you're basically doing is you're carrying that relationship and that anger on into the future instead of actually saying, okay, well, what did I learn from this? And you know, what good qualities does this other person have? Because if you can't see any good qualities in the people that you were dating, then that's a real statement of not being able to see good qualities in yourself. Like, who Absolutely. Is I that, you know I mean? Yeah. And just like the blame, the blame game. It's like, you know, and I see this a lot in, I wrote an article about this too, about like um, the spiritual community. And, uh, you know, there's this whole fucking like idea that empaths are naturally drawn to narcissists. It's like, or that narcissists right, right. seek out empaths and they latch their fucking talons into them. It's like, no, empaths choose that. Right. You're choosing that. You're choosing a person right. who right. Uh, is actually feeding an addiction that you have to bullying yourself, mistreating yourself. You know, one totally. thing that we have to get real with is the fact that, like, you might be a fucking masochist. You know what I'm saying? You might like right. it when people. Not not in your yeah. conscious mind, but there's an attachment. Maybe you like it when people fucking treat you badly, and you need to really come to terms with that. Of like what that feeds yeah, yeah. you with, you know, and and even even being fed with the idea that you're somehow a victim. This is like yeah, all yeah. addiction. It's all really like it's, well, giving- it's a story. I mean, and again, people yeah. love that story of like it gives them an identity. It gives them something to kind of chew on you know, and not have to actually deal with the pain of disappointment. But the thing is, the, the pain of disappointment is is painful, but it's also much shorter than the long-term suffering that you cause yourself by trying to go into the story or trying to get sustenance from the story of yeah. being a victim, being yeah. mistreated. Also, we have a lot of like, uh, like contagion phobias about other people. It's like, you know, you've got to like, ghost on anyone who doesn't you know fit your bill or you've got to like cut people off and all this kind of stuff it's all based on this idea that we're actually very very weak and if anyone gets in our circle who is not good for us they're going to like take over you know we're going to be possessed by them or whatever and that's such a we sell ourselves so short you know the the heart is so much stronger than that um we're capable of being around people who are not the one without losing ourselves yeah. But, and also that's not to say, Paul, that it isn't appropriate to sometimes cut off communication with sure. people or sure. like, we don't have to choose, like, we don't have to like, uh, it's not always appropriate to fucking be in contact with people also. No, no, totally. It's the intention. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if the intention exactly. is one of like self-love and it's like, you know what, this person, this relationship does nothing for me anymore. That's great. But what's, what happens is we get these ideas. A lot, a lot of those, our, our pop psych ideas come out of like genuinely abusive situations and then we yeah. apply it to everything. Right? 
right? Yeah. So like everyone's a narcissist now and everybody is abusive and everything that anyone says is trigger triggering or whatever. Yeah. And basically yeah. it's just a way of saying that we don't think we're strong enough to be with what is unpleasant, yeah. and, you know, and we are. Yeah. Something also that I'm thinking of in terms of like, you know, a lot of those questions uh, is um, especially in terms of like summoning a relationship. It's like, all I keep thinking about is like, don't fucking buy into the books and the online courses of like 27 days to the love of your fucking life. And like, it's just bullshit. It's all bullshit. Okay. Like, um, just get really present and you will, Mm -hmm. you will figure out how to move forward for you in relationships. Like don't buy into like, act like this. Don't act like this text in this way. Don't text in this way. You know, if you're being desperate, you know, if you're chasing crisis, you know, and we have to check ourselves. We just have to completely become present and check ourselves and also get real with like the fact that discomfort is a part of life. We're going to be uncomfortable. There's no way out of discomfort. Like you have to accept your anxiety and be with it and not try to uh, fix it. Basically, you know, you have to understand it and then sit with it ultimately and not try to change it. Just try to come to terms with it. And I think like in terms of our relationships too, like, Oh, how do you like, how do you like let go of old relationships? You know, how do you let go of people who are not good for you? It's like, get real about how your attachment to crisis and your attachment to suffering and how you're also um, cultivating that for yourself. You know, like a lot of us are addicted to crisis and not because it feels good, but because we are getting a chemical reaction from it, you know? And it, and it's like, it's like needing to say that thing when somebody posts on your page, needing to, respond to that email and like like there are so many ways where we are constantly uh like perpetuating crisis in our experience and we're doing that in our relationships too and i think ultimately we have to separate ourselves from another person and go whatever they're doing saying feeling is just about them and actually has nothing to do with who i am as an individual and how i feel is just about me you know, it, yeah, this yeah. is, it's not yeah. about the boyfriend I had that didn't love me, the one that abused me, the one that did anything. That's the story I might be yeah. painting, but ultimately this is about me and how I feel about me. And if I want to attach, um, to these other experiences to like solidify the story that I'm telling about myself, then I can, but I don't, you know, I can paint that picture but I don't have to. And I think we have right. to know that about relationships too. It's like, well, how do you separate from people? Well, you have to like come up with the concept and the perception in your mind of what the relationship actually is in reality. Yeah. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense, totally. Paul? Totally. No, it makes so much sense. And you know, I think one of the things is that we're so desperate to get rid of our problems um, yeah. that we don't actually pay attention to what, I mean, we're not real as you're saying, like we don't take the time to observe them. And so people, you know, the, the, the subtext of all these like 27 days to meet the love of your life is like, is like, you aren't strong enough to just actually sit and look at your life. You need somebody else to just 
take all your problems away and also take all your money away. And, you know, and then you'll have every, everything will be great. You know, just, just put your money in the bucket and check your brain at the door. And like, the thing is like the desperation to get rid of your problems is what keeps the problems there. Yeah. As soon as you're able to be like, you know what, maybe I do keep dating the same wrong kind of person and I'm not going to give myself such a hard time. And maybe it is my dad or my mom. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Totally. (laughs) And maybe I'm just going to watch that for a while, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I always find that I always find that the people who I really respect most when they talk about their own relationships, they're never like, Oh yes, I was blind, but now I've, now I can see. And they, they will usually say, yeah, I'm dating this person. I think they're kind of bad for me. And I, I see a pattern there, but you know, I catching the patterns a little more quickly these days, you know, as yeah. always for me, like a sign of somebody who's matured a little bit, you know, yeah. cause you're not going to, you are going to make the same mistakes twice. You're going to make the same mistakes a billion times. Yeah. And the desperation to avoid that yeah. is the problem. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. And that need for that perceived need for perfection too, of like, right. And just like this whole story, yeah. And this, this whole story about the one, it's like, this is an old right. paradigm. It's not fucking real. It's a story. Right. It's a fairy tale. That's in all the movies we watch. It's just a fucking story. Right. It's not reality. You know, the reality right. is that like, there's love in every single relationship you've ever had. Ever. Yeah. And if you want to retain that and experience that over and over again in your daily life, you can. But if you want to experience yeah. that, like all that love was like meaningless and the love that you really want is this fucking oasis that you're never touching, you're not actually living in reality. There is right. so much love in the lessons that we experience, you know, like, like some of the hardest experiences I've had have been the most uh, gratifying in that they woke me the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like it woke me up. And in that way, I feel such love for my teacher, you know, the teacher of the experience or the partner. And you don't have to necessarily like your teachers, but you can love that they helped you to grow. And I think like ultimately what we're learning about relationships is that they are just an avenue for us to grow and they don't have the meaning that we totally. put on them in the past or the story that we put on them. It's totally. And, you know, I wanted to say, say something because, I mean, I'm somebody who I, I often identify as polyamorous and, and I, have, I have problems with that word. And, you know, and I think sometimes because of the way I live, people sometimes think I'm like against monogamy. And I'm not against monogamy. I actually think there's a place for monogamy, but I think natural monogamy, like monogamy that's coming really from the heart is when you start to realize that you don't need so many desires. So you meet this one person and naturally you realize like you're not so interested in other things when it naturally comes from the heart in that way. That's a beautiful thing. It's like, no, I don't need to go meet this person at three in the morning because, you know, I got this relationship and it's really a good mirror for me and I feel like it's healthy and I'm growing. I don't need all that other stuff. Okay, that's fine. But where it gets really unhealthy, unhealthy monogamy is where it's about the one. It's like, is this the one? Am I with the one? Um, What can I do to manipulate this person to being more like the one? And it's like, you're the one. You yourself are the one. There's no one else out there who can do that for you. And maybe a person is healthy for you and maybe a person's unhealthy for you. That's the only distinction. It's not really about finding the one, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I also think that like, I think it's 
I think especially for women too, like we really need to acknowledge that it's totally fine for us to be independent and not need any, not need somebody else. And I think so much of our experiences has been painted by these, this idea that like, you know, uh, we, we should, our lives should look a certain way. We should have families. We should have something like that. Um, right. Not, I don't mean this in any other, in a derogatory way, in any way. Like, I think that the ability to bear children is like an absolute miracle and a gift. And anybody who wants to experience that is, you know, a saint because it's fucking hard. Yeah. But like, I think you can also acknowledge that you have other things to offer other than birthing a child and that are just as valuable. I don't think, I think we have to just like acknowledge, especially as women, because I think women have a harder time, you know, we we're the old maids, we're the like, and that this comes from like systematic idea that men are uh, leaders and in control of the woman. Right. So in the past, where this comes from is that women didn't have any rights and they needed right. a husband in order to be actually a soluble human being in the world. Right, but right. now we don't fucking need, we don't need men ultimately. Yeah. And I don't just mean we don't need men, but we don't need anybody. We can be autonomous beings and we can say that we can say, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a woman and I just, I enjoy just dating people and I want to be, yeah, single, yeah. you know, and I, yeah. and I want to be creative and I want to be, a bachelorette. I don't fucking know. You know, I think we have to accept, like for me, something that was very, was very, very hard for me to accept was my own independence, you know? Yeah, like, totally, totally. And I'm a cancer, right? So everything that people say about cancers is like, oh, you guys all want to be moms and you want to be like right, right. nurturers and you're just like, you want to be in these like enmeshed relationships. And I'm like, I don't fucking want that. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately I'm a really fiercely independent person. I need my space. And that was something that was very, very difficult for me to acknowledge that like, I'm happy. I'm happy in my independence. And I think that's something we have to like give ourselves the right to say too. you know, I know this 90 year old woman, she's amazing. She's, she's, I think 92 now. And she like still like throws ceramics every day. And like, uh, and she was married when she was younger, but then she got divorced. And then she was basically single for her thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. And she's, and she says, people always ask me, why didn't you get, why didn't I get remarried? And she was like, I didn't find anyone that was good enough. And the way she says it, it was like really, really beautiful because she's like, there's like, she's obviously worked out, worked it all out. And it's not like pining over that fact or whatever. She's just like, well, that's not how it happened. That's not how the story unfolded. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I, I just want to say, I, I totally agree with you that it's much harder for women. Um, it, it, there is a corollary for men too, though. I, I know as somebody yeah. who's biologically incapable of having kids that, you know, the idea of like being a player is really gives you a lot of social status when you're in your twenties and thirties. And then when you start getting into your forties, people are like, okay, but actually why don't you have like a wife and a house and a picket fence and kids running around yeah. all over the place, you know? So it does separate you from people in yeah. a certain way, but you know, we're all separated from each other. I mean, you know, I've, every time I go visit the suburbs and my friends have families there, they seem super separated from, you know, other people too. So yeah. I think it's, it's just about understanding that, um, we have different options and we can be happy uh, no matter what, yeah. you know, what what the story is. And and also maybe we need to like 
come to terms with the fact that we should tell people mind their own fucking business. You know, yeah. if your family keeps harping on about something, tell them to shut their fucking mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Be like, it's actually absolutely none of your business. I think right. like, so much for like stepping on stone stones around people and like, or on eggshells. And also we're internalizing other people's opinions, you know, and it's right. like, there's a reason why the divorce rate is so fucking high because marriage maybe doesn't work in the way that we we've institutionalized it in some right. ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's 100%. more of, because it's more of like a contract and not like a, um, like, uh, maybe a, an emotional, intimate, like ritual between two people. Right. Like, you know, it's totally. I mean, and I, it, it might not, it might not work. I mean, people like, I, I guess one of the things I hear all the time is women are always like, what's the matter with men nowadays? I don't know that men are different nowadays than they've ever been. I think women are yeah. waking up and I don't think, and I think as they wake up, they're finding that traditional relationships don't necessarily work for them. And if they don't work for them, then, then they need to find new ones. It's not like, Oh, we want traditional relationships, but we also want to be, you know, awakened beings. Like yes. the two might not be compatible. Well, and, and in that, I think that like, ultimately the divine masculine is waking up in all of us. Right. And Mm -hmm. like man made manifest in a more apparent way through males, because, uh, that's the way that our energetic balance goes sometimes. right? Right. So it's like, I think that, um, something else that we really need to be clear about is that, um, there is a lot going on for males in today's mm-hmm. society because they don't have uh, any actual leadership of something to look to and say, this is what I aspire to, right? So it's right. just like feeling around in the dark of how to become like of service with your masculine energy to the feminine, right? Within, I don't just mean men being of service to females. I mean, in energetically, the masculine drive of fixing, doing purpose, being of service to feeling, being creativity, destruction, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think like, I think something we also have to understand is that men and women do their emotional work differently, you know, right. I think that women, and, and this is part of our conditioning also, because we're more communal, we do our healing and our therapies collectively. We talk to one another. We want to share this experience and males don't necessarily want to. So when, when there, like, there is a separation sometimes in that, like males are doing, they are more apt to like, go to the top of the mountain to fucking deal with their issues, then come to the community Mm -hmm. and talk about it. You know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. Paul? And I think like, we can't judge that those differences we are different from one another, you know? And I think also there's so much similarity. I don't want to polarize it, but also Mm -hmm. I'm just talking in terms of like, we need to stop judging the way that other people, the way that men are dealing with their emotions as well and trying to make them hairy females. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're men, they're doing things in their own way. And instead of us trying to manipulate them into doing it our way, we need to just Mm -hmm. allow the space to let men 
come to terms with what they need without going, well, you should be at this place right now. It's like, let's just let them fucking evolve in their own time, in their own yeah. way, and, and assume that the universe is perfect in its, in its um, reflection of what's happening as well. Totally. Totally. And I think it's also just, I don't think anyone should assume that they know what the post-patriarchal world is going to look like. I mean, you know, everyone's got lots of opinions. We just don't really know what it's going to look like. I mean, it's like, I do think one thing that um, I think is really important in terms of reclaiming masculinity is actually, it's, it's less about like going to the woods and chopping, you know, chopping trees or whatever you want. I mean, if you want to do that, (laughs) that's awesome. But I think it's more about, um, uh, you know, in, in, so in ancient India, the idea was like with, and I know you know this with Shiva and Shakti and the masculine and the feminine principle, the idea was that creativity really comes out of the feminine. And what the male principle does is it kind of holds space or refines things. And I think that one way that men can really be men in this day and age is to learn how to ask questions. Um, yeah. Because the act of asking questions is really in the verbal sphere. It's what is holding space instead of just going on and on about what you think, you know, learning how to ask really good questions. And I find that when I teach men to do that, cause I used to have a men's group that I would, um, that I would work with in terms of meditation that they would feel so empowered. It's like, Oh, I, I was talking with my wife the other day and I just asked her some questions and she really opened up to me. And I also just felt like I'd really done an important thing because men need to be respected. They need to feel important, you know, or and helpful. I think, yeah, totally. And I think that whole that simple act of just trying to ask more questions than drone on and on is like a really simple way that men can start. Yeah. And maybe that's a way that um, for those that are in, uh, you know, um, heterosexual relationships, like I know something that has always pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> men is if you're like just expressing the way that you're feeling and then automatically they're therapizing it right uh, totally. maybe what we can say to them is like maybe you can ask me more questions instead of totally. telling like totally what you think i should do or therapizing right. it and maybe we need to you know everything is like a reflection so the way that men behave is also a reflection of the way that women behave and vice totally. versa you know, it's never totally. like what they're doing to us. It's like, well, how am I participating in this? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, and also in just like if we if we as individuals are participating in an in a society of instant gratification, that's what men are going to. Uh, I'm I'm just saying this in terms of like complaints that women might make, right? right? Like men just want to fuck and then like you know not call you. Well are you engaging in that? Is that like what you're doing with them? Of course. Right. Of course. You're giving them permission. So if you want to do something else, you got to hold them, hold yourself to a different standard. Totally. And then see who shows up for that, you know? And I think like in that way, like women need to understand that we subtly lead through the way that we follow. Of course. I mean, that's the, that, that's a real problem. I I don't want to open up a can of worms, but that's a real problem with this idea that, that in like fourth wave feminism that like women can just reclaim the male gaze or they can just, or they can twist it to sort of be in their empowerment. And, you know, it's like if your Instagram account is just you naked, you know, then you're, and then you're like, well, how come people don't take me seriously except as sexual objects? Well, it's because you're participating in this idea that your value is being sexual. And I'm not saying 
in any way that, you know, women should be ashamed of their bodies or whatever. It's fine. Or that one equates to the other also that like, right. mm-hmm. but where are you getting, you know, where are you getting your sense validation of from? from it? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. The question, you know, I know yeah. women who are like, you know, who, who celebrate their own bodies in a very public way and are really, and really have a kind of wisdom behind that, you know, and then there's this culture of just like feeding into it. Oh, you have to do that. You have to do that. Cause you need the likes, you need the, yeah. follow you you need yeah. all that kind of stuff and so it's like well that that does perpetuate you know yeah well and I think like that's where I think real spirituality I don't I hate to say I mean I'm annoyed that I even just said that real spirituality <laughs> but I think an element of spirituality is um ultimately and this is true of like being present and um uh is is just to say what's my motivation you know what's right. the motivation totally behind this this post behind this text to this guy or girl or what's the motivation what is my motivation what do I get out of this ultimately and really checking ourselves um, because so much of our painful experiences come from not being really committed to our motivations or just like letting our uh, desires take us away instead of like knowing that we actually have the power to choose and it's fine to not be motivated by things like sex and attention and stuff like that or be motivated by it but be real about it be honest about like what you're getting out of something exactly and that's the whole thing it's it's honesty you know and that's one of the biggest problems is i think that spirituality in our um in our day and age has a real honesty problem Um, yeah it's so tied into entertainment and so tied into story and image and a and commodity. Energy. It's a commodity right. now. Yeah. So it's like people say things according to whether they make good stories, not according to whether they're actually true, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I see it all the time, you know, that the sort of self-help guru thing of like wanting to kind of, to promise people that they will feel amazing all the time. And, you know, when you do that kind of thing, you, you feed this idea where people are using, spirituality to bypass having to be human yeah Um, yeah yeah paul it's been so nice chatting with you about this really good about this episode and i'm so excited to share it with the listeners um obviously this is just paul and my opinions we're just uh (laughs) we're just shooting the shit here uh if you have differing opinions we welcome them um paul has to go soon so i'm gonna wrap it up but you can um, see Paul at the Downtown Meditation Center, right? And that's in the mm-hmm. East Village? It's in the East Village, and I teach every Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and you can just, you know, find me on Facebook, Paul Weinfield. And, um, oh, just, just that one Paul, Paul Weinfield they'll find. <laughs> no, actually, they, I'm the only one. I, I Are you actually, really? Yeah. Because my like great grandfather changed the spelling of my name. No, no, they're not, not. They're not. They're not. No, it's Paul Weinfield, not Paul Weinstein. Can't, Paul you can't Weinfield. confuse my name with Weinstein in this day and age. That's not fair. A field of <laughs> wine, a delicious wine. A field of wine. Yes. <laughs> um, but no. Um, yeah. Uh, follow me. I'd love to connect with whoever wants to connect. Yeah, and he's on Instagram as well, and uh, yes. always has nice inspirational. Um, Things to think about during the day. Nice little uh, mental notes. Um, Paul, thank you so much for being on here, for being my friend. Uh, 
it's always nice to, I love having the gents on too, because I just feel like, you know, like the integration of, uh, masculine and feminine is really important to, um, to our healing experience. It can't just all be female centric or male centric. Like we need to have these dialogues with one another. Um, and, uh, yeah. So thanks so much, Paul. And thanks to our listeners. Thanks to all of our patrons of the uh, new story podcast for helping make this podcast available. Um, if you'd like to donate any amount or become a patron of the new story podcast, you can do so through the show notes and uh, thanks Paul. And thanks to our listeners. And we'll see you later. See you soon. <laughs>